Please pray with me. Gracious God, open our hearts to the power of your loving word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Has anybody ever moved, had to pack up all the things that you own and send them off on a truck and then arrive somewhere new and try to figure out how to make it feel like home again? Anybody ever lived through a renovation in your own home? So feel that this morning in this space. I think it's a really exciting time for us. I think it is an active practice of seeing how we can sort of rub the sharp edges off and soften up and go with the flow, how we can practice flexibility. But I don't know about you, part part of my love of the Episcopal Church is that we have a lot of tradition. And we're used to doing things the same way. This is totally an exercise in being stretched. So thank you. Thank you for your flexibility in this season of renovation. Now is the time of the sermon. We're coming to the conclusion of the service of the word, almost. And in the sermon, it's our opportunity, hopefully, to have somewhat of a conversation, even though it sounds one-sided a lot of the time. But to have a conversation where we take the word, scripture, story of the work and person of Jesus, and we take what's going on in our lives, what's going on in the world around us, put them together and see if we can make some sense of things. One of the ways I like to think about a sermon or a homily is that we're sort of peeling back, lifting up the the edge of the carpet or peeling back the veil and experiencing a taste of what things are like in the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about the Jesus movement here, what things are like in the Jesus way of living. And for us today, it's like moving and trying to find where those things that we need are that have been buried under the last box in the corner of the room, and yet trying to make ourselves feel like we are comfortable, like we are at home in this space. What do we do when we gather in worship? We gather to show our reverence, our honor, our loyalty, our love, our devotion to God. We gather very much at God's invitation. There is a theologian, Karl Rahner, who talks about how embedded in each one of us is, he believes at least, is a drive towards transcendence. That wired, we are hardwired to seek mystery, transcendence, say holiness. And I makes sense for me. It makes sense with my experience. That's part of the reason why I do the work that I do as a priest. And I believe that that hardwiring is, we are created that way because God is inviting us in to taste, to see, to experience God's kingdom, the way God wants our life and our lives to unfold. We live in a sacramental universe. Something that a former archbishop said. That just means that everything out there, all things, have the potential to carry meaning and purpose, to help us to remember who we are and whose we are, to help us to catch glimpses of God's grace, 
the, the technical word, sacrament, if you were to flip to the proper page in your Book of Common Prayer that's sitting in the pew in front of you, a sacrament we understand as something outward and visible. It's a sign that we can see that reminds us of something inward and spiritual that we experience as grace. As that love God abundantly unfolds and offers to each one of us. So we gather in the Eucharist, which is one of the sacraments, and we open our hearts and we open our minds, hearing the story of God and the story of us as God's people. We open our hearts and our minds and our bodies to the bread and wine and to the mystery of the transcendence that happens as we share in this Eucharistic feast, which the word Eucharist means great thanksgiving. As we come together to share our thanks together with each other and with God. I could go on and on talking about liturgy and sacraments and worship, but I want to I take this opportunity to point towards what's happening next and then also to talk about what we just did. So we hear the, the stories through the scripture We hear a lesson, usually we will have a psalm, and then the gospel is processed out into the midst of the congregation. The words of Jesus are read in our midst, and we're invited to literally turn our bodies to face that direction. So our bodies are involved in what we do here in worship. And as the the word is processed out into the midst of us, we're also reminded to take that gospel, that good news, with us as we process out at the end of our gathering this morning and move about the rest of our week. Taking that good news, taking the exciting revelation of God through the person of Jesus out into the world with us. And there's a, a thinker, a writer, Marshall McLuhan, I imagine that name is familiar to many of you. And he's famous for saying, the medium is the message. One of the most exciting things to me about our Christian faith is the medium for us is the person, Jesus. Is God, God's son, coming into our world, sort of like wrapping God's self up in flesh and and somehow mysteriously being fully God and fully divine in that person. Then Jesus takes the experience of what it's like to be human being, carries that experience back into the life, the relationship that is our Trinitarian God. So it's not that we elevate the scripture, or it's not that we elevate our tradition. The medium for us is God incarnate, God among us. God is the Holy Spirit who is still moving within, around, among all of us today. Medium of the Eucharist, if you will, is the ordinary bread and wine that we pray over and something happens. God promises, Jesus promises, that Jesus will be in our midst when we break the bread and drink the wine as he taught us long ago. Once I sit down, 
We'll have a, a moment of pause, and then we will stand and together affirm the words of our faith through the Nicene Creed. I don't know about you, but sometimes the creed to be is, is difficult, or it's difficult to say all the different pieces. It feels like that's something that we're supposed to have intellectual assent to. Like it's something prescribed, set out like that. And I want to offer sort of a different framework of experiencing it. Um, I had the good fortune to get to travel to um, Turkey um, a few years ago and get to go to a lot of these places that we read about in the scriptures. And one of, one of the most sort of like a hidden gem was to go to Nicaea. And in Nicaea, there is a church. It is only about a thousand years old. But you walk into the space, and then you, you need to walk down to get to the floor. And when you're on the floor level, it's like you're going down into a basement. There's some images that are from the original church, which was made like the, the end of the 700s. It was a long time ago. And actually, that church was from the, the second council of Nicaea. The first council of Nicaea happened in a church that today is buried under a lake. And it reminds me how over the ages, things change. That original place is buried deep down underground. And then even the church that was built 400 years later, you, you walk down and you can just see some remnants of it. Me reminds me that we are connected. We are connected to the traditions and to the experience and stories those who've gone before us. And then we stand here today in this creative tension, holding on to the traditions and looking forward to the future, to God's coming again in great glory. I think it was the writer Brian McLaren who said this, but I'm not sure. So I apologize whoever actually said this if I have this wrong. But Brian McLaren offers this understanding of this creed. It was back in 325 that Constantine gathered a few hundred bishops to get together to try to sort out, so what is it that we all believe here with this Christian way of living? Because Jesus didn't actually leave us a very clear roadmap. In fact, a lot of the stories about Jesus, Jesus, I think, was all about talking about how we are created to live in relationship with each other and with God. And that is hard work. And after some hundreds of years of people trying to sort this out, bishops are gathered to say, okay, so what, what do we, what do we believe? What is, what is a part of us and what is not a part of us? And then a, a few decades later, another group of bishops got together and said, okay, let's edit what we came up with before because we understand things a little differently now as we've been growing in our faith together. And the words that we are about to sing are pretty similar to those words that come from the late 300s. So for, for like 1,600 years, Christians have been praying in this way. Brian McLaren, he suggests that the Nicene Creed, our creed as we understand it, especially in the Anglican tradition, sort of like creating a, a framework or setting up some gentle boundaries kind of like in the way we would put puppies in a pen, both to keep them safe 
and to give them space to play. Or any other furry, fun, little cuddly animal you want to think of. Or think of puppies tumbling over each other, being, being playful together, creating, imagining, experiencing. So Brian McLaren suggests that the creed was, was created to provide a framework for us to step into, to imagine, to experiment, to, to push against the boundaries, to see, well, how far can we go in this way and still have what we need to stay centered, to stay grounded, to stay connected to all the people for over a thousand years who have been seeking to understand this holy mystery we celebrate as we gather here each week. The invitation to you is to bring that sense of wonder, that sense of play, that sense of creativity to what we do in this space. Hopefully, that will help us make our way through the next few months as we bump into each other and walk the wrong ways and wonder if we're doing things the right way. Let us be open to the wonder that is God's love and God's mystery. Amen.